Welcome to That Mom Life. It is Sarah Jordan, and this is definitely a different style for me because I am actually recording from inside my closet at my house, which is definitely something new for me because I'm having to be at home. We're definitely in that quarantine lifestyle. And one of the biggest things that has come out recently, of course, is that Indiana schools are going to be closed until May 1st. So I found myself an amazing mom friend, Paige Schuler, who is also a teacher. So we're hitting a double whammy here. So Paige, thank you so much for joining me from your house too. How is everyone holding up on your end? We're doing well. We're um, hunkered down at home. I have a seven week old and a two and a half year old. So keeping them entertained and uh, busy throughout the day so that we don't get bored. So are you still on maternity leave? I am. I was supposed to go back on March 30th. Um, right after spring break, but that's not happening now. So, so do you think, like, in some weird way, maternity leave has helped prepare you, honestly? Um, I think so. Um, it, I am pretty disappointed that I won't be able to see my kiddos for um, or my kiddos at school, um, you know, here soon. Um, but I do think it has prepared me for just kind of being quarantined um, at home with having a baby in the winter. I've been extra cautious with staying at home and keeping him away from all the germs, even before the coronavirus came, became a thing, keeping him away from people with the flu and that type of stuff. So we've been at home really since he's been born. Honestly, that's what happened to me because my daughter is now four months old and she was born in November. And right after she was born, my four-year-old got croup, then RSV, and then then my son brought home something. So I literally had to quarantine myself away from my own kids in my own house, let alone trying to keep the public out from it. We had to cancel Thanksgiving with everybody. So I honestly feel like being on maternity leave for 10 weeks is honest. I'm a little bit more comfortable at home and how to make a routine with the kids in some weird way. But I don't think anyone is used to this. But before we jump into the fact that you're an Indiana teacher and you have a lot of amazing insight, you now, like you said, you're the mom of two. And how long have you and your husband been married? We were, we got married in, um, July of 20, oh goodness, 2015. <laughs> um, so we will be married for five years this July. Five years this July. So you guys were married for about two-ish years and you have a daughter. She's your eldest, correct? Correct. Yeah. She will be three on July 4th, actually. She's our little firecracker baby. So you probably... You come from a big family. I mean, that's how I know you is because I know your other family members. And I mean, that is a huge family. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We have a very big family on my side and my husband um, is related to like half of Southern Indiana as well. So we have two very big sides of the family. Our family gatherings uh, we require someone with a large house. <laughs> how many people did you have at your wedding? Uh, we had almost 500 <gasps> But you, but, but the problem is though, you do have, not a problem, it's a blessing. You have so many family. It's like, how can you say, okay, you can come, but you can't come. You do have to invite everybody. And then that's just what you're used to. I mean, my dad's one of eight kids, so I'm used to a massive side of the family on my dad's side. But on the flip side, my husband's an only child. So it was very yin and yang for us at first. And now I live in a home with all my family and my husband's down with the big family style stuff. So we, um, definitely with like first birthday party she my daughter had about 
80 people because that was all the first cousins and aunts and uncles. So, um, you know, we'll have to reevaluate when the parties continue because it's expensive. It is very expensive. So tell me about your pregnancy with your daughter. I mean, did everything, was the pregnancy what you expected? Was it unexpected? How did your body handle it? I had a fairly easy pregnancy with her. Um, I was really sick at the beginning um, through, I didn't get rid of my morning, well I called it all day sickness, because um, it wasn't just in the morning, but um, I had like severe vomiting and stuff with her until about 25-ish weeks, um, so you know they always say you've got to get to that 12, 13 week threshold and then things kind of ease up and mine did not, uh, so with her I had that until about 25 weeks, but then after that it was smooth sailing, um, besides the growing pains and that type of stuff, but um, yeah, for the most part it was easy and I was blessed compared to some women. So the second time round... We got pregnant right away, um, which again is a very big blessing. Um, found out fairly early that I was pregnant. Um, you know, I think this day and age we can find out a lot sooner than like when our parents uh, became pregnant. So um, I found out when I was about five weeks pregnant with our second um, in early, early January of last year. So you found out you were pregnant with your second, and there was trouble along the way, correct? Yeah. Well, I say that my daughter's delivery was a breeze. When I delivered her, when I was in the hospital postpartum with her, um, I actually developed a blood clot in my leg. Um, it was actually the day we were supposed to get discharged from the hospital. Um, so after delivering her... Um, I was going to be considered a high-risk pregnancy regardless um, when I got pregnant the second time. Um, but because of that, my doctor was just kind of on high alert, but they didn't have me come in early um, for an ultrasound with my second. They were still going to have me come in at like that 10, 10 to 12 week um, range for the first ultrasound and confirm pregnancy and everything. Um, but I actually, it was a Saturday morning um, and I was at one of my students' basketball games, and um, I started kind of feeling crampy um, and started spotting. Um, so, of course, I went into, like, complete panic mode, and I tried to stay calm, um, but then as the game went on, um, I noticed more and more spotting. So I immediately left, and I called my OB, and, you know, they said, well, spotting in the first few weeks is normal, so just keep an eye on it. If it gets heavy like a period, um, you know, then that's a reason to be concerned. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just go home and I'll rest. Um, and as the day went on, it got heavier and heavier. Um, and so at that point, I kind of, you know, you have that feeling in your stomach that you know things aren't good. Um, so I called my OB again, and she was like, go ahead and head to the ER. Um, just to, you know, double check everything. Um, so when we went there, um, they did a blood test to confirm, um, a pregnancy or not. And my hormone levels were so low that, um, they, they confirmed a miscarriage then. Um, but then they went ahead and did an ultrasound as well. Um, and did not even find, um, I 
call it a baby because that's what my beliefs are, but didn't find the baby even in my uterus. So I had already passed it by the time I had gotten to the hospital. Um, and that was about a six hour range just because they had me wait at home. So when I miscarried, I was about seven and a half weeks ish um, when that happened. So early, but the um, no, it's absolutely awful. And I can't imagine going through that because obviously you knew you were pregnant. You took the test. You got your positives. And I mean, to be honest, I didn't ever experience spotting. And I've had three kids until my last pregnancy. And I've never had that before. That's not like something you just automatically experience when you're pregnant. So was it linked back to the blood clot somehow? So after I miscarried, um, my OB was concerned. Um, so after that, she sent me to a hematologist, um, and we went through. He sent me through all kinds of um, blood tests to see if I had any clotting disorders. Unfortunately, everything came back um, normal, so I don't have any type of clotting disorders. They were concerned that um, the miscarriage and the blood clot, you know, a lot of times women who have clotting issues will miscarry or have some type of bleeding issue, um, but I had nothing. Um, so she thinks, unfortunately, the blood clot and the miscarriage were unrelated and just kind of flipped. So you already said that your your children are two and a half years apart then. So then you got pregnant again shortly after. Yeah. So um, we got pregnant in April. Um so after you miscarry, depending, I, I was fortunate and I did not have to have a DNC. Um, there's a lot of women who have to go through that and it is very traumatic, um, not only mentally but physically. Um, my body was able to pass um, the fetus on its own. Um, so for me, I, my recovery time was a lot shorter than a woman who's had to have a DNC. They, you know, wait, have you wait a couple months? Um, for me, they just told me make sure you go through one cycle and then you can start trying again. Um, so physically, I was, you know, able to come March, um, but mentally, I just wasn't quite there. Um, but once, once April and May came around. You know, we were ready to try again. And, and again, we're very, very fortunate and got pregnant right away. So Now, you and I ran into each other at an event, and you and I were talking about blood clotting disorders because I actually, I didn't know I had a blood clotting disorder until before my third pregnancy. I had never had any issues, but my dad had some life-threatening issues, and so they made me and my sisters get tested. So I didn't, I had to do blood thinners on my third pregnancy. It was high risk. I had never been before. Did you have to do blood thinners then throughout that pregnancy? I did, yeah. For my um, third, we, my doctor went around and around about it and um, kind of debated whether to put me on them or just to put me on a baby aspirin. So when I clotted with my daughter, um, they put me on a baby aspirin for about 10 weeks after I had it, um, and that cleared the, um, the clot. With sometimes I have women just go on baby aspirin, but with because I did have clot, they wanted me on the actual um, blood thinner injection, um, and it was more just as a precautionary thing because again I found it I didn't have a clotting disorder, but I have clotted, um, so they had me do it as more of a precautionary thing um, rather than a treatment per se. Those blood thinner shots aren't they fun? <laughs> oh, they're horrible. <laughs> they're. So much fun. 
much fun. They're so much fun. I mean, honestly, it's, it, that is, that's what you and I were talking about. We're like, when do you do it here? And I remember you messaging me and I was like, prepare yourself for the last four weeks when you have to switch shots. You're going to experience this, 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 and this because it's a different ball game. Yeah, I thought the one a day would be rough, uh, but then we got to the the two a day, two a day, and a different medicine, and it was a whole new, whole new ball game. I mean. I totally agree with you, though. It's clearly worth it. It is. If that's what I have to do, that's what I have to do. So congratulations. Then if your daughter or your son is seven weeks old, that means you finally got to stop taking your shots. <laughs> yes, we did. Um, we made it. Or I made it, I guess. Um, I stopped last Tuesday. So it's been a week and a half since I was able to be shot free. So it was kind of weird because I took them right before bed and had my routine down for the last ten and a half months. And then I was like, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> I know you get so used to it, and I—you said you did them to yourself, right? I did, yeah. Well, my husband did the very first one for me um, because I was in full panic mode. Um, I'm not afraid of needles, but there was just something. I had this mental block about, I don't know, putting a shot into my abdomen on my own. Um, so he gave me the first one, and God bless him, because he, he was very patient with me. Um, I was very nervous, and he was very patient, and he did a great job. But after that, I was like, I'm going to do these on my own. <laughs> I had a big old bruise from him, um, you know, Gina and my side. So from then on out. So now you are seven weeks postpartum, um, and how are you feeling? How's everything going? I'm doing great. Um, I feel like I've bounced back this time better than I did with my daughter. Um, I think having a toddler in the house <laughs> kind of forces you to uh, get back in the game. Um, like with her, I was able to just lay on the couch and lounge all day and now having two of them at home, that's not really the case. So. No, that is the biggest adjustment from one to two. It's like even from pregnancy on, it's like you can't just sit around when you're tired and not feeling well because the kids still want you to play with them and cook for them and you still have to clean and do dishes and laundry and it's just, yeah. it's a lot. My husband is also a teacher and he gets home at, you know, four o'clock and I had oftentimes just ate for the first time or <laughs> there was one day I came home and or he came home and I was brushing my teeth and he was like at 4 p.m. I was like if that doesn't describe my day to you <laughs> but it's worth it and it's fun and listen you brushed your teeth that day that is the win That's here true. <laughs> That's true. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter when you did it you did it so therefore you're doing a very good job so hey thanks showers are limited but you know brushing teeth is a priority i would always tell my husband listen i didn't shower today but i did brush my teeth and change my underwear and that has to count for something <laughs> exactly exactly amen to that so what grade do you and your husband teach And you both are Southern Indiana teachers? He teaches in Jefferson County in JCPS. Oh, he does. And then I teach in Southern Indiana. Mm -hmm. I teach in New Albany. Did you guys meet each other while, like, in college? No, we both went to Providence. We went to high school together. And actually, funny story, his mom was my principal in elementary school. <laughs> That's adorable. But then we met at, yeah, we met at Providence and we're friends through high school and then started dating um, shortly after I graduated high school and then all through college. So how are you guys processing as teachers what's going on right now in our unprecedented times of quarantine? Yeah, um, it's kind of, it's a weird feeling. Um, 
especially for me because I haven't been there all semester, so it just doesn't feel much different to me. Um, it does feel different having him home. Um, I've just worked kind of in this limbo area. Both of our districts haven't really released a whole lot of information to us yet. Um, both of them are being very, very cautious about making decisions. Um, our superintendent released a video last night and you know he said they're not going to jump to any decisions quickly um, even after today with Governor Holcomb's um, press conference they still are telling us that they're not going to release any information until next week um, since we are on spring break um, so they're they're being very cautious about everything which I appreciate um, but it just is kind of a I don't know for us it's kind of a bittersweet feeling just because we do have a newborn at home so it's nice to be able to spend this time as a family um but then the thought of not seeing my students um you know until potentially end of may or never before summer uh just it breaks my heart so it's kind of a weird feeling right now um honestly yesterday my son's in kindergarten and i've been kind of he's he's little and i've been being very vague and he thinks he's on spring break and then we started talking about how we were going to set up a school at home. And he was like, wait, why are we doing that? I don't understand. And we were like, well, we're not going to be going back to school for a while. And he just burst into tears. And he was like, I'm never going to see my friends ever again. And I was like, buddy, it's going to take time. And like, I would, I try not to cry in front of the kids because all of it's emotional for everybody. And I like, I don't, I want to be strong for them. And I want to explain to them, but. I told him, I was like, we will be going back to school eventually. It is, yeah. just take a minute. I reached out to um, both of my kids, one's in preschool, one's in kindergarten, to the other parents to be like, can we FaceTime? And I'm trying to figure out ways to connect them because they are so small. They're not like in fourth grade where they can comprehend more of what's going on. They're just like, wait, why aren't we going to school today? So, right. I mean... Our kids knew that they were going on spring break, but a lot of kiddos, you know, they went to school Friday and then Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, districts released statements that they're not going back to school till Monday or on Monday. Um, and now it's not until May and then with the possibility of never going back, and, you know, essentially till July when school starts back. So all of their worlds were just kind of flipped upside down in a matter of like two or three days. Um, and that's hard for us to process as adults, but it's even harder for um, young minds to process. Um, and especially when school is considered a safety net for a lot of kids, um, you know, it's hard for them to realize that their safe spot is not going to be there, um, you know, for the next few months. So it's an uneasy feeling for sure. That's why I reached out to you because I noticed you posted a status and then I saw another one of our friends, mutual friends, Megan Bliss, she posted it too. And I've noticed several other teachers have posted, parents, if you need help, if you have questions, it could be something as simple as how to use the software. You said, please message me and we will help you. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, like I said, this is an overwhelming time for us, um, but it's an overwhelming time for our students as well. And, 
you know, a lot of our parents, I mean, we have parents who seek out help all the time, even with homework. Um, so for them to have that burden of having to teach their kids for the next two, I mean, we'll be teaching them, obviously, but, you know, to be sitting right next to them and giving them that academic support for the next two months could be very overwhelming for a lot of parents. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that parents did have a resource to be able to um, utilize when they did feel overwhelmed or flustered or um, just need that extra little bit of support on that day-to-day basis. You know, you brought, brought up something that I guess I should have assumed, but I, I didn't. I honestly thought, okay, I have to come up with a curriculum. And I totally didn't even put together that, no, the teachers are still going to be helping students in teaching, just not in the classroom. So parents are not alone. Right, yeah. So, you know, our, our goal is to create what they call e-learning or NTI, which is non-traditional instruction. Um, and so, you know, we'll be giving them different different avenues of instruction and different activities and handouts and those type of things. Um, and so it's just really what our goal and hope is, is that the parents can just be another support um, as the student is doing their work at home. You know, I don't know what it will look like for your son in kindergarten um, as far as, you know, what we call e-learning, which is typically done on a computer. Um, But as a fourth grader, a lot of their stuff they should be able to do on their own. Um, but just with assistance from their parents if they do get stuck or if they're a struggling learner. So for parents that are like even myself, I'm clearly working from home in a, my closet under the stairs. So as parents who are trying to work from home, trying to maintain their jobs, which is more important than ever, but also be the academic your support you're talking about, what do you think is a good recipe for success? And again, we are all learning. We are all figuring it out. But if you had an advice for the best recipe, what do you think? it is yeah so I think the most important thing first is to create a schedule Um, as adults we really thrive on schedules and structures um, whether we realize it or not Um, and our kids are the same exact way Um, it's really important to get kids on a schedule especially when um, you know a lot of districts haven't even started learning but when that does start taking place um, to get a schedule in place um, because we don't expect kids at school to work from 8 a.m. till 3 p.m., um, and we don't expect them to do that at home either. So allowing them times for breaks or lunch or just to unwind for a little bit, um, you know, throw in a craft or something artistic or some exercise or to get outside, whatever, that will help with kind of their mental um, stamina as they try to learn how to learn through a computer um so the schedule i think is probably the most important and when they're working you're able to work as well um you know that's something my husband and i are already looking at because we're both teachers so we'll be working from home and helping students online and we have a two-year-old and a seven seven week-old so we were talking about that tonight what will that look like in our home and we definitely said setting a schedule of you know rotating every hour um allowing our daughter to have some playtime while we work or allowing her to have a tablet her tablet for a little bit um just 
things like that mix it up, but also allow you to get your work done too. So I know a lot of people have been sharing all of these websites that can help, like Scholastic, for instance, has some learning capabilities. And I saw like ABC Mouse. And again, I'm this is geared more towards younger kids, but they're allowing their subscriptions for free right now. Are there any like good learning sites in general right now that you think are a good resource to parents? Um, Epic.com is a wonderful one. Um, and that was free even before all of this happened. Um, it has books from every genre and every level. Um, and they're interactive and they're fun. Um, let's see, BrainPop and BrainPopJunior.com are great ones. They have videos and they can take quizzes and do different activities. And then it also gives kind of like little lesson ideas, um, on there that they can walk through. Um, for older kids, I think Edgelastic is a great one. Um, it is free. They do have to um, create like assignments for them. Um, but that's one that I plan on using and giving out to my kiddos to, um, to submit assignments. Um, and, it, and Scholastic has a lot of great ones for older kids and younger kids. So, but... I so you said you said epic as in like epic.com yeah and if you just go to get epic so g e t epic.com get epic.com the other thing that I'm I, the, the other thing that we were trying to do with the house is like, and the kids right now, you're right, they're confused because it's like spring break and they're like, oh, it's fine. We can just lounge around and do what we want. But like school will be back in session in whichever way that it is. The other thing we're trying to do is set up a designated space in the house that's more like this is where we're going to go learn versus this is the living room where the TV and the couch are. Yes, I've seen a lot of parents already, um, and a lot of my teacher friends have already set up like a little cubby area for their um, kiddo, either in their bedroom, or some people have an office space, or even at their dining room table, um, or kitchen table, they have almost like a little cubicle set up for them. Um, we took, and I do this at school with my kids when we're testing, um, file folders, and you take them together, and it makes almost like a like half square around them, um, so it's kind of own little space and kind of um, eliminates all the distractions that may be happening around them. Um, it helps them focus a little bit more. So that, that could be another helpful little hint um, for all those who may have a bunch of people at bunch of people at their house that may be distracting. Well, I mean, I think you also bring up a good point. Even You're talking even multiple kids in a room. If you're trying to do both kids at the kitchen table, I mean, that could be a great way to separate them out into their own space anyway. Right. And file folders is a lot easier. A lot easier. Mm -hmm. You can take, you know, I mean, if you have regular folders, you can do that as well. Um, sometimes my students, if they didn't have their file folder um, in their desk, they would take like a book and kind of set it up just to almost just like a, a wall around them um, or a barrier around them that allows them to um, eliminate all those distractions. Um, but then again, a lot of kids sometimes work better if they're not at a desk, um, work better, you know, laying on the floor or standing up. Um, so I think giving the, the kid an option uh, on how they work best and what they um, would feel most comfortable with at home which um, is also helpful because we give those choices at school. Um, you know, if they like to stand, if they like to sit, if they like to um, 
you know, sit on the floor or in their seat or on the stool, um, you know, giving them kind of that in charge of how they want to learn um, is helpful too. I mean, it's, I think you bring up a good point. Now they make standing desks for adults. So it's like adults like to do this too. Adults like to move around. They like to sit in different kind of chairs. I have people that come into my office and they'd rather have a meeting with me sitting on the floor than they would by sitting in the desk chair. So I can totally see how that would be freeing. And then once it would finally stop raining, it would be nice if we can actually take the kids outside. Um. Exactly. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Is there any other advice you'd give to parents as a fellow parent dealing with this or just as a teacher working from home? I feel like you and this your group of teachers, just because I see the sharing back and forth on Facebook, but like you've got a great group all working together for the greater good. Is there anything else that you feel like you could tell people? Yeah, so um, I actually reached out um, when you asked me to do this. I reached out to some of my um, best friends who are also teachers. Um, and some of the advice that they, you know, offered for me to share with everyone and um, to make sure that parents are staying in contact with their teachers, um, to not be afraid to ask questions. That's why we're here. Um, that's what, what we want to do. Um, so, you know, it'll be easier in the long run if you ask questions up front um, and it will help your student and um, ease some of those frustrations or the confusion that happens. So making sure that you stay in constant communication with your teachers throughout the week. Um, and just making sure that you, are, you as a parent, are aware of what your student um, needs to work on the most. Um, you know, we are near the end of the school year, which is a huge blessing, um, but we are missing out on almost two months of instruction. Um, so making sure that kids aren't falling behind before they head off um, into summer is super important. So making sure that parents are aware of what they can work on extra at home um, with their student would be super helpful um and just being patient you know we're all in this together and we're all learning um you know here here you and i are learning how to even do this um but you know most parents and families have never done e-learning and most teachers haven't either so it's a there's going to be a big learning curve for the next few weeks um and just being patient with one another and understanding that we're all trying our absolute best on both the parent side and the teacher side is super important. You know, the thing is, and you've brought this up, this isn't some snow day or something like that. This isn't a spring break. This isn't summer break. This is definitely something that is brand new. We are all dealing with together. And as uncomfortable and not normal as it is, I do find comfort in knowing that we are all doing the same thing. We are all taking each day at a time. We are all having to be patient because it's too hard to make decisions right now. Exactly. I mean, I think besides the, the medical field and a couple other professions, I, I mean, I think a lot of people are learning how to work from home. And my mom is learning to do the same thing. My sister's in Chicago and she's learning to work from home as well. And both of them have kind of you know, talk to me and reach out about the struggles that they've had um, working remotely. Um, so I think, you know, it's a whole, all over the world, we're all trying to figure out how to make this work in the best possible way. So staying patient and understanding and compassionate towards one another, I think, will make this transition to the virtual world a lot easier for everybody. You know, in another way, I do think that when we do finally get to get out of quarantine mode and get back in the classroom and back to work, 
I think there will be a brand new appreciation for just people and having the ability to be around each other and enjoy each other's company. So I keep focusing on when we get to the other side, we will be better. Yes, and that's what my teacher friends and I were talking about that today, just how glorious that day will be um, when we get to, you know, hug each other and see each other face to face. And, um, you know, it's going to be such an awesome day. And, you know, my husband and I keep talking about, you know, all, all of this is such an overwhelming and chaotic time for everybody, but it's allowed everyone to just slow down and focus on the things that are important in life um and you know our families and our friends and when we get to be able to actually spend time with our extended families and our friends again it's going to be uh it's going to be an awesome day so i'm excited for it and i just keep trying to have that positive outlook on it because it's really easy to get wrapped up in the in the news and the scary articles and all that stuff and and the, be the best thing I can do is to tell people at that moment, turn off the news, get off of social media, and go FaceTime somebody. On, Monday, on Sunday and Monday, I was just, I, I got wrapped up in reading all about it, and, um, and I honestly felt like my chest getting tight, and I, I felt anxious, and I was kind of short-tempered with our daughter. Um, and I looked, I told my husband, I was like, I think that like, I need to just like, let's not turn it on the TV anymore. I don't want to read another article about it. Like when everything's lifted or big things are happening, I want to hear about it. But it was almost like I was starting to obsess about it, but I was getting too focused on it. Um, and ever since I've kind of eliminated all the articles and watching it on the news or having it on the TV all day long, um, I feel a lot better. You know what? That's exactly what happened to me. It was Monday night and my chest hurt really, really bad. And I was trying to figure out why am I in pain? And then I realized I was like basically reacting to my own anxiety and was like mid anxiety attack because it was too much because I am in the media and I have to pay attention to a certain degree. But at the same time, like I have to step back. I have to just, cause I did the same thing. I yelled at my kids. I felt guilty about it. And I was like, I can't do this because at the same time I'm getting to be around my kids all day. Even though I am working, I'm with them. I don't have to pick up my breast pump right now. I get to just nurse my four month old. And that in itself is a blessing that I don't have to use my breast pump. So, I mean, like I'm trying, like you said, to just think one day at a time, what's in front of my face? What can I do today? If as much as I want to know what's going on tomorrow and I want to know what's going on three months from now, I can't predict the future. And I've just got to live right now. Exactly. That's the most important thing. I think we get so wrapped up. And I told my husband, I said, this is the least stressed I've ever been in my entire life, I think, because we're forced to be at home. I can't think about really anything else. I mean, work will have to start picking up with, you know, teaching again when spring breaks over and learning all of that. But, you know, at, at this moment in time, I'm able to be present to my kids. I'm able to, to be present to my husband. My house is clean. You know, everything that I wish I had more time for, um, I'm able to put my full energy into now. Um, so it's kind of, it's a, again, a bittersweet feeling. Um, it's scary. The hospital is very scary right now. My dad's worse at Norton Hospital and, you know, he's kind of keeping us informed, but um, just hunkering down at home and being able to almost lock yourself inside with nothing else but family is kind of a cool thing to be able to do. So I'm trying to look at it from that outlook rather than 
oh gosh, we're going to be quarantined for months and not be able to go out into the world and, you know, trying to look at the positive sides of stuff. But I, I, at least we can say we're quarantined with our family. And if I had to be with anybody every single day, all day, I would choose my family time and time again and to get this time back with my kids too. So Paige, it means the world to me that you were on tonight. And I mean, you're dealing with so much because you have a seven week old, you're a teacher, you're going back to work, but it means the world that you're here to help other people. And we couldn't do what we do without our teachers, regardless of whether or not they're in a classroom. So thank you for doing what you do and your husband. I appreciate you so much. And I know every single parent is now appreciating their teachers so much all of a sudden. I've seen a lot of memes about uh, people, parents having a wake-up call about what their teachers do on a daily daily basis, but I appreciate you having me and spreading the word, and um, you know, if there's anybody who does need support from a teacher, please, please help them connect to one of us. I will do that. If they need anything, I will find a teacher. I will phone a friend and I will help people out. Paige, thank you so much. And I will talk to you soon. Sounds wonderful. Thank you.